So we are in Acts chapter 10. We're going to finish Acts chapter 10. We're in the third part of this really long story that is probably longer than it should have been, but we needed to make it this long. And so we're going to finish it today. Now, there's a danger in, in going through scriptures too slowly, because if you go too slowly, you miss the story. And there's things in the story that have meaning. There's also a danger of going too fast, because then you miss the details. So we've, we've gone slow enough to catch the details. Today we're going to go fast enough to hear the story. So I'm going to read something that's not in your notes. It's a kind of a summary of what's happened already in this story, so you can pick up on it. And it's really just the story part of it. So I'm going to read this, and then you keep your finger in Acts chapter 10, verse 23. We're going to start right in the middle of the verse, which should be the paragraph uh, separation in your Bible, right underneath the title, Peter at Cornelius' house. So I'm going to read what I've written, the summary, right up till then. Then we're going to pick up the story that we haven't read yet. We'll discuss that as we go. Then we'll go to our notes. So here's the story so far. Cornelius, a Roman centurion living in Caesarea, had taken notice of the Jewish God. So much so that he began to worship the Jewish God and practice whatever parts of their religion he could. His generosity and devotion uh, was well known and, and well respected, even among the Jews who were predisposed to hate him as a Gentile oppressor. One day, as Cornelius was praying, an angel appeared to him, called him by name, scared him to death, and told him to send some of his men to fetch Peter from Joppa. Based on the knowledge that this was a message from God, Cornelius immediately obeyed. While those men made their way to Joppa, which was a 12 to 13 hour walk, Peter, just before they arrived, also was praying and had a vision. In Peter's vision, Jesus himself asked Peter to do something he had never done in his whole life, something he was taught never to do in his entire life, and in not doing it, he showed devotion to God. But this was Jesus, and he said it three times. Jesus told Peter to eat unclean animals, many of whom were not even allowed, they were not even allowed to touch or own in the past. But this was Jesus, and he said it three times. So Peter pondered what this meant. Why did Jesus say not to call anything impure that God had made clean? Right when Peter was pondering these very questions, a call came from the courtyard gate asking if Peter was home. And before Peter could respond, the Holy Spirit said to Peter, Get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. All of a sudden, Peter understood. I have sent them was the same as what God has made clean. It's me. I'm Peter. Why are you looking for me? God told our master Cornelius to come here to Joppa. He even told us whose house you were staying in, and he said to bring you back to Caesarea, to the house of Cornelius. And that's pretty much what we know. Okay, Peter responded. Even though traveling with Gentiles was not allowed, entering the house of a Gentile was especially not allowed, and eating with Gentiles was absolutely forbidden. It was Jesus who said they were clean. And it was the Holy Spirit that said to go with them. So Peter invited them into his Jewish friend's house, offered them hospitality, 
and prepared to leave with them the next morning. Now we'll pick it up in the middle of verse 23. The next day, Peter started out with them, and some of the believers from Joppa went along. That's interesting. The believers in Joppa would have been Jewish believers. So I want you to realize that between the first half of verse 23 and the second half of verse 23, right where the title is there and the paragraph change takes place, is about 12 hours. It was about 3 o'clock in the afternoon when um, Cornelius had his vision, and then these guys showed up at the house. They took that 12-hour walk, and now it's... Anyway, lots of time has passed. Okay, so they would have got there, excuse me, they would have got there middle of the day, it was too late to start the journey. He said, stay the night. So about 12 hours later, they get up to leave. That's the next day. And some of the believers went with them. So during that time, a lot of conversation took place. Peter, why are you inviting these people into my house? Well, I had a vision. What was your vision? Well, this was my vision. Well, what does that mean? Well, this is what the Holy Spirit said. So you had a vision from Jesus, and then the Holy Spirit spoke to you, and he said, bring these people into my house. You know that's not according to the rules. I know. But this is what Jesus said. The rules have changed. And so all these Jewish people who were part of that conversation, small town, they knew what was going on. A bunch of people said, hey, we're going to go with you. What was their motive? Probably curiosity. Uh, you, had a, you had a vision from God that said, go travel with the Gentiles. This is odd. We want to see this. What's going to happen? Are you, are you going to call down lightning when you get there? What's going to happen? So they travel along. They may have been there to protect Peter. They may have been there to, to continue to watch Peter, to see what he had done, to see if he was going to break more rules. Regardless of their motive, a lot, a lot of people went with him, and they were the Christian Jews. Verse 24. The following day, he arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them. You say, how would he know when they were going to come? Well, they would typically send someone ahead. That, they'd send the uh, skinny guy ahead who can run fast, and he would go tell them, hey, they're halfway here. Hey, they're three-quarters of the way here. Hey, they just passed such and such. They'll be here shortly. So Cornelius was waiting for them, and he called together his relatives and close friends. So we have Peter showing up with a bunch of Jews to meet with a bunch of Gentiles. If this was a 70s movie, this would be a gang scene where the, 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 you know, these guys in leather and these guys in denim are going to meet together, and their leaders are going to talk. So we have all these people show up. Cornelius and his friends are waiting. Verse 25, as Peter entered the house, okay, that was step one, forbidden, he did it. Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. Peter made him, made him get up. Stand up, he said. I'm only a man myself. Now, this is worth noting because Peter was just a man. He, he was the foot-in-the-mouth guy. He was the speak-before I think, guy, he was also the declaring things that were from God guy. He was the denier of Christ. He, he was just a guy, okay? But he was also the head apostle. He was the leader of the church. He was the point person for this new movement. So he had credentials. But in humility, he says, hey, don't, don't get excited about me. I'm just a man, okay? Verse 27, while talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people, all the friends and family. He said to them, and this is interesting, this is, this is what he says, You are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate or visit with a Gentile. 
but God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So what he just said was, hey, you know what? I'm not supposed to be near you because you're impure and you're unclean. You guys are gross and have cooties. Okay? I, I shouldn't even be talking to you. I shouldn't be here. I shouldn't be talking to you. And you know that. He says, so when I was sent for, okay, but God has shown me, so it's different now. Verse 29, so when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you sent for me? This is crazy. Peter doesn't know what he's there for. Why, why did you send for me? Cornelius answered, three days ago, I was in my house praying at this hour at three in the afternoon. And Peter's like, yeah, I know that. Suddenly, a man in shining clothes stood before me. I heard that. said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He is a guest in the home of Simon the Tanner, who lives by the sea. I know that. Okay. So I sent for you immediately, and it was good for you to come. Now he gets to the, why did I send for you? Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. Now we're here in the presence of God. Like, we're here for church. We're here for a sermon. We're here for a message. And we want to know whatever God has told you to tell us. We want it all. I can just see him sitting down in the chairs, on the floor, against the walls. They're all sitting down in this room. He says, now we're all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. And then God started speaking through Peter, verse 34. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. This was a large group of people. Peter might have left Joppa with the impression that Cornelius must be one special guy. And, and God is sending me to talk to this one special guy because God wants to reach out to him. But when he arrived, he found all the friends and family there too. And he says, I now realize it's, it's, it's God's will not to show favoritism, but accepts from every nation those who fear him and do, and do what is right. Those who fear him, who respect him. Those who want to know him. Verse 36. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John preached, and how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil, because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a cross. But God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He wasn't seen by all the people, but by the witnesses God had already chosen. By us, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify. The prophets refers to their scripture. It says all the prophets, all the writings of the prophets, everything you have recorded in, in your scripture, the Old Testament, okay? Everything you have, all the prophets testify about him, about Jesus. The Old Testament, the, the readings that you read, the scriptures in your synagogues, they all testify about Jesus 
And they say that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sin through his name. So there's the gospel. He started way back at John the Baptist. He moved forward. He talked about his, his death, talked about his resurrection, talked about forgiveness of sin. And then here it is. Everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness. Believing means believe he's the son of God, believe he died on the cross for our sins, believe he's the sacrifice, believe he is uh, offering it to us. We receive forgiveness of sin through his name. Then verse 44, while Peter was speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. Who does the Holy Spirit come on? Those who are saved. We have the moment of their salvation recorded for us right here. While Jesus was speaking, the Holy Spirit came on them. They got saved while he was speaking. They couldn't even wait till the end of the message. Remember the people in, in, in Acts 7, I think, that were, that were hearing Stephen preach? And he was about to get to the gospel, and they couldn't wait till the end of his sermon to kill him? Well, these people couldn't wait till the end of... Peter's sermon to accept Christ. Okay? Verse 45. The circumcised believers, the Jewish believers, in other words, who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. So you remember the first time the, the gift of languages was displayed, it was the apostles who spoke, and this was the validation that their message was from God, and the church began. So something big happened. The next time somebody spoke in tongues was when the uh, Samaritans got saved. And it was unbelievable that a Samaritan could get saved because they're only half Jewish. And they didn't worship right. They didn't worship in the right place. So uh, the, the Jews were being saved. Judaism was done. Christianity had begun. Then the Samaritans were saved, but they're half Jewish. Now we have full-on Gentiles being saved. And they were astonished that the, the gospel was good for them too. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. The tongues were the message that they understood, meaning the Holy Spirit is in them, and if the Holy Spirit is in them, they're saved. So Peter preaches, these people get saved, the Jews are astonished. Then Peter said, surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. He's like, there is no reason. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have, meaning they've obviously been saved. They've received the Holy Spirit. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them a few more days. I'm sure they had questions. I'm sure they had things they wanted to talk about. So, so that takes us to the end of the story of Peter and Cornelius. Let's look at our notes. Let's fill in a few gaps we may have missed when we read it. First thing I want you to make note of is that Peter was taking steps of faith. Peter was taking steps of faith. He went with a Gentile, which was against the rules. He ate with Gentiles, which was against the rules. He went into their home, which was against the rules. He invited them into the place he was staying, which was against the rules, and he fed them and gave them hospitality, which was against the rules. If this wasn't from God, Peter was ruined. He, if it wasn't from God, he would be, he would be ostracized, he would be uh, kicked out, no one would trust him anymore. He would have been the laughingstock of Judaism if this wasn't from God because this was something they had been taught their entire life. Don't be a part of. Don't let this happen. So it was a step of faith for Peter. If it wasn't God, he'd be ruined. Number two, Cornelius was all in. It was also a step of faith for him. 
he had a dream, and he responded to the dream, and he called his friends and family to hear a guy preach he had never met before and didn't know what he was going to say. But he knew in his mind, God told me to get Peter. Therefore, whatever Peter says is from God. I want everyone to hear it. So everyone come to my house. Peter's on his way. We'll meet him here. We'll hear what he has to say. Cornelius was all in. He brought all of his family and friends to hear what Peter had to say. Number three, Peter did not speak of politics, nationality, occupation. He didn't say, well, you, you can't be a soldier anymore because soldiers are rotten people. He didn't talk about the Roman government. He didn't talk about the Jewish oppression. He didn't talk about any of that stuff. Peter simply shared, the, shared God's message of truth and salvation. He went back to who Jesus was that he was prophesied in the Old Testament, that he lived his life, probably shared some things that he had done, that he died on the cross at the hands of the Jews, that he was raised from the dead, and belief was the key. Faith was the key to salvation. And what was the message? Number four, I just kind of said it. It started with, God has accepted you, therefore I do as well. God has accepted you. That's the message that we need to communicate when we deal with people that aren't like us when we deal with folks that are so not like us that we're kind of inclined to look down on them or inclined to be afraid of them, one of the two, because they have a higher state or a lower state. Peter says, God has accepted you, therefore I accept you as well. That's in verse 28 and verse 34. B, Jesus is the Messiah promised in the scriptures. That's uh, 36 through 43, that longer passage there. See, Jesus died on the cross and rose in verse 40 because the resurrection has to be there. And D, Jesus is the means by which our sins are forgiven. Not Judaism, not what you grew up with, not what, what you learned as a child and what you've been taught as an adult. Not what the Jewish people are going to tell you. Jesus is the means by which you can be saved. That's Peter's message. Number five, they believed and were saved as Peter was speaking. That tells me that God had prepared them. Their hearts were ready. They couldn't even wait for Peter to get done talking before they got saved. And then they were baptized the same day. And, and that shows the genuineness of their faith. So we have this story. And, and the next thing in your notes says the big deal. And I want to I want to back this up again. I've been trying to communicate how big a deal this is. I've been trying to communicate that because if you just read it, and, and, you know, like we're reading the Bible through in a year, if we just read it, and we're trying to get through the Bible in a year, we're going to read about uh, the vision, and we're going to say, oh, now I know why we don't, we get to eat whatever we want to eat. This is great. God wanted us to have good food. He opened the door. We can eat all the food. That's why that's there. And Oh, Cornelius and Peter have this encounter. Uh, Peter comes, Cornelius gets saved, and a whole bunch of people get saved. Wow, that's cool. So we had someone... Someone being raised from the, uh, being healed. Someone being raised from the dead. Now we have uh, a Roman family getting saved. Super cool. Let's keep reading. What's next? And, and we'd pass right by that. But that's not why this is here. That's not why this is here. This is here because everything, this is the, the last big change. Everything they grew up was changing. So to, to illustrate, if, if you grew up in the Mormon church, and you were presented with the true God and the gospel, you would have to reject the fact that you could become a God. 
you'd have to reject a, a lot of teaching. You would have to say, everything I grew up with was not correct. It's not the Bible. Their God is not the God of the Bible. Their gospel is not the gospel of the Bible. I have to step away from everything I grew up with and accept this new message. That's what they were doing. You might, you might have grown up in an atheist family, and you have that same type of situation. You might have grown up in a, a church that didn't preach the gospel, and you thought everyone got to go to heaven, no matter what. And that would cause you to have this kind of, of encounter. The big deal is this, in your notes. The Jewish God has swung the gates of faith wide open to declare that the Jewish Messiah was no longer just the Jewish Messiah, but was now Messiah to all people in all locations, regardless of nationality, gender, wealth, or station. When I say gender, I mean man or woman, the two genders. So it's always been the Jews. God spoke through the Jews to the rest of the people. God spoke to the Jews about the gospel. The scriptures were written to the Jews. If the message was going to get to other nations, it was supposed to go through the Jewish people. You had to become a Jew in order to worship the Jewish God. There was a process. Anytime uh, prophecy was given to other nations, it came to the Jews about the other nations. It always went through the Jewish people, and it always reflected the Jewish people's story. And God said, now it's, it's no longer like that. It's no longer, they're no longer my chosen people. Yes, they're my chosen people, but they're not my only chosen people. Now the doors are open for everybody. And so the Gentiles, the, the Romans, the very oppressors of the day, those who have conquered the known world, those who are in charge telling the Jewish people what to do, regulating them, taxing them, oppressing them, even they are now open to the gospel. It's for everybody. And, and the Jewish people had always been it's us and it's us alone kind of group. They were prejudiced. They were all these things. And so God has changed everything. The way they grew up. The way they were taught. What they believed. How they practiced their religion. This was the last big change. So that's the big deal. It's a big deal to us because this isn't to tell us we can eat whatever meat we want to eat. This is to tell us that we are welcome in the kingdom of God. We are welcome to have our sins forgiven, just like they are. It's interesting, this announcement was made by Peter, who once declared that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus responded, Peter, that's not from you, that's from God. And so that message was given through Peter, now this message is given through Peter. It's an official announcement of a change in policy made by God's representative. So Peter didn't just say this, this wasn't just for Cornelius, this was for everybody. The vision that Peter had was not just for Cornelius, it was for everybody. And we're going to hear about how Peter has to go back and explain that to folks. So the other side of your notes, what principles of the story are relevant in our lives today? Well, number one, Peter obeyed God, even though it went against everything he had learned growing up. He obeyed God. Uh, number two, Cornelius, knowing he was about to hear the gospel, gathered his friends and family. This, this is one of the principles where we say, hey, bring, bring people to church. The people you're praying for, invite them to church. Let them see who we are. Let them watch the Christians. Let them, let them listen to how we talk about God. Let them, let them hear what we say about God. Let God reach out to their hearts. Let God speak to them. Bring them around. Bring your family and friends to church. 
Now, church isn't the only place they should be hearing about God. They should be hearing about it in your daily conversation. But church is a great place for it to be the focal point. So Peter obeyed. Cornelius invited everybody he knew. Number three, everything we need to know about Jesus is found right in our Bibles. Peter went to the prophets. That's the scripture he had. Those were the scrolls that they read in their synagogue. The New Testament had not been written yet. So he started with the scriptures. And number four, spiritual results come from obedience, not initiative. That's probably the biggest one. Spiritual results come from obedience. Peter obeyed and went with Cornelius. Cornelius obeyed and sent for Peter. Their obedience together created a convergence where God had people he had prepared to hear the gospel with a man he had prepared to share the gospel. And as Peter was sharing the gospel, they responded and were saved. The Holy Spirit entered them. Spiritual results are from obedience, not initiative. I don't, I don't need to get ahead of God. I don't need to make plans for God. I don't need to circumvent God. I don't need to take it on myself. What I need to do is obey God and let him work out the details. He's way better at it than I am and you are. He knows everything. He sees everything. He knows the outcomes. Let God run the ship. Let him set the course. We want things now. God says, no, not now, a little bit later. Or God says, no, actually, that's a bad idea. God says, I've got someone else for that. God says a lot of things that don't fit into our plan. But when we're obedient, that's when we see the results. That's, that's a huge theme through Scripture. God says, you be obedient, I'll take care of the issues. And we see that displayed here in a really positive way. So my response, for the believer, gratitude. Wow, thank you, God, for including us. The Jews were your chosen people, but you included all of us. Thank you for that. Encouragement that, that we, too, can be children of God, that I am a child of God. All the promises are for me. All, all the blessings are for me. I can stand and say I belong to the, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So I'm thankful, I'm encouraged, and then I'm committed to obedience. I understand that it all, it all flows through obedience. So I'm, I'm grateful, I'm encouraged, and then I'm committed. That's the response for the believer. Uh, that should be the response all the time as we read Scripture. For the not saved yet, and I like this phrase a lot better than the unsaved, the not saved yet, because God is calling everyone. So if you're not saved yet, here's the message for you. Consider the message Peter shared with Cornelius. What is that message? Well, right there in your notes. Number one, we're all sinners. A, we are all sinners. That's from Romans 3.23. We're all sinners who by our sin have earned the legal sentence of eternity in hell. When we stand before the judge of eternity, the judge of creation, and, and we have to list our sins, he will put the gavel down and he will say, guilty. And he will say, the predetermined penalty for your sin is eternity in hell. And the gavel will fall and you'll be ushered off to hell, maybe in a moment's a blink of an eye. That's where we all stand before we're saved. We're all sinners. We all have this sentence of hell looming over us. But the message continues. B, as an act of love, Jesus came to the earth as a baby for the purpose of becoming a sacrifice. He was literally born so that he could die. Literally born so that he could be executed. 
so that his body would be broken and his blood would be shed. He came for the purpose of forgiving sins, and that was the way it had to happen. So, see, forgiveness of sin is a gift of God made possible by Jesus' death and offered freely to anyone and everyone who will accept it. It's a free gift. The gift has been wrapped. It has been handed to you. All you have to do is accept it. So, D, our part is to call out, to respond, call out to God in response to his offer. God, I accept your gift. I accept this. I want this forgiveness. I believe you died on the cross. I believe all these things, and I want this gift. I call out. And then E, as we call out, we're confessing our belief that Jesus is God, that he indeed died on the cross specifically for the forgiveness of sins, that he rose from the dead three days later, conquering death and providing life after death to all who believe. So for the not saved yet, the response is to become saved, to let the Savior save me from the penalty of sin, to accept the forgiveness that's being offered. I want to read this prayer that I put at the bottom of the notes. This is a sample prayer. It's not a magic prayer. These are not the only words you can use, but here's the gist of it. Dear Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner. That's step one. I admit that I'm a sinner. And I understand that I deserve to be punished in hell because of it. I also believe that Jesus came to this earth to die on the cross so that my sins can be forgiven. I know that Jesus rose from the dead and proved who he was and that his message was genuine. So I accept your gift of forgiveness and declare that I recognize you as my Lord and Savior. You are my God and I will follow you as long as I live. Thank you for forgiving me. Now just to prove to you that the words are not magic words, and they're not the only words, and not the important words, I want you to realize that these people got saved without any words. These folks got saved without any words. While Peter was preaching, they began to speak in tongues because the Holy Spirit had entered them, and the Holy Spirit entered them because they were saved. We have the New Testament. We have this outline. We have these, we have these things, and so we have this prayer. This is not the only prayer you can pray. My, my prayer for salvation was much simpler than that. Because as a child, I prayed what I knew. And, and I believed in God. But I want to offer this prayer to anyone here, anyone watching online. This prayer to anyone that God has prepared. These people were so prepared by God that Peter couldn't get done with his sermon to accept him. If God has prepared you, you are ready at this point in time to believe and to accept so if God has prepared you and you're ready to say this prayer, you say this prayer to God, not to me or your neighbor. You say it to God. And if you believe it in your heart, then you will be saved. We heard a testimony a while back. James said he sat in the front of his truck and, and accepted Christ. I don't know what his words were, but they don't matter. The belief in the heart is what matters. But these are the words I'm offering you today. So if you want to pray and accept Christ as your Savior, let me lead you in this prayer. I'll just say it line by line to help you get through it. You just repeat those lines to God. I'll, I'll say it, and then you can say it. Repeat it to God, not to me. Out loud, in your heart, doesn't matter. When I'm done praying this prayer, then I'll close us all in a, a corporate prayer. So for the not saved yet person, here's the prayer. Dear Jesus, I admit that I am a sinner. I understand 
that I deserve to be punished in hell because of it. I also believe that Jesus came to this earth to die on the cross so that my sins could be forgiven. I know that Jesus rose from the dead and proved who he was and that his message was genuine. So I accept your gift of forgiveness. And I declare that I recognize you as my Lord and Savior. You are my God, and I will follow you as long as I live. Thank you for forgiving me. Now before I close in prayer, I just want to say that if you prayed that prayer, let someone know. Let the person know you're sitting next to, maybe someone who brought you, let them know. Let me know. Uh, we celebrate these things. Well, Father, we end our service now, and, and we're pleased to understand what happened in, in this series of events. A dream and a vision, an encounter, salvation, and speaking in tongues. We're, we're pleased to see this happen. Thank you for showing us the meaning of this. It really is a big deal. It really does deserve the amount of space you've given it in Scripture. It's because you open the doors of, of your message to the world that we are able to stand here as saved people. And it's that also the reason that we share it with others and we pray for others. So Father, help us to respond by, by being obedient first and then playing the role you give us in the process. Help us to always look at your word as the highest priority and the greatest authority so that we can listen and we can follow and we can obey. And then thank you for letting us see your work, letting us see you accomplish things. Father, I ask that every one of us has an opportunity this week to share Christ in, in word or in deed, to answer a question, to plant a seed, something like that. May we make a difference because we're obeying you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.